Welcome back, everyone, to our second episode. We got some great feedback on the first one, and we are so happy that you joined us again. All 194 of you. These things take a little time to build up some momentum. Typically, you need to release a few episodes before people agree to invest their time into something. If you say so. All right, Jack. Well, I'm sure our listeners are anxious for us to break down tape A. So let's jump right into it. This may fall into the category of not discussing future tapes, but does the person on the tapes ever state their name? Nope. I assume he introduced himself in the first tape that he references getting rid of in tape A. I've always just referred to him as the trapped man. Okay. Well, does the trapped man ever state the name of the town he's in or where he's from? Never directly. It sounded to me like tape A ends with him starting to say the name of the town. Have you ever tried to clean up that audio and make out what he says? People watch too much TV. It is almost impossible to clean up audio. But in this case, it is literally impossible. The physical tape is damaged, at least that's what the company that digitized it told me. Besides, I don't, I don't think he was saying the name of the town. I think he was saying inside. Why would he say my first night inside? Now this is starting to veer into future tapes. But I think he comes from the criminal justice field. And as you likely know, someone being inside is a slang term for someone who is in prison, which is an apt metaphor for her circumstance, to say the least. Okay, well, based off his accent, I think it's safe to say he's from the States and likely somewhere in the central northern part of them. You don't know that. Well, sure, but I, I think it's safe to assume. You can't think like that. If you start making assumptions just because you want to make some narrative fit, that could be a breaker question. Uh, a what? I'm sorry. I mean... It could drive you crazy chasing ghosts. You don't have anywhere near enough evidence to start building theories. Right now, you just need to start gathering evidence. No one listening to this should think they have all the answers yet. I've had these tapes my whole life, and if the answers were so easy to come across, don't you think I would have them already? Jack, do you want to stop this? You, you seem really upset. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's just... I understand. We can do this another time if you want. No, no, no. Let's just keep going. Are you sure? Yeah. Alright. Well, I understand what you're saying about this not being easy to figure out. But the whole purpose of the podcast is to try and figure it out. True. But... Right now, you aren't going to be finding any answers, so you should just be finding more questions. I don't understand. Listen for what he says that stands out to you. Did he use a weird turn of phrase? Did he repeat anything of note? Ask yourself why he refers to his place as inside. Ask why he calls it pop instead of soda or coke. Try and come up with things that stand out to you, and once you have a list of that, especially if it's things that he repeats later in other tapes, then you can start trying to put all the pieces together. Okay. That makes sense. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a bitch. It's just... 
once you put an idea out there, it's hard for people to let go of it sometimes. That's completely fair. Well, to be honest, with that in mind, I kind of have to redo my thoughts on tape A. So how about we play tape B and go from there? That works for me. Well, we do have to warn our listeners. Some people might find some of the language and circumstances being described in this tape disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. I've started to develop a plan of attack for how I can get out of this place. I've come to the conclusion that no one's coming to rescue me. If I have any hopes of escape, then I need to make it on my own. So this entry isn't going to be a journal. It's going to be a list of the primary obstacles that I see to my escape and the plans that I've developed thus far to combat them. The first of which, obviously, is the thing from the woods. I've gathered enough evidence about its behavior that I feel that I can reasonably make some assumptions about it. Um, I hate uh, hanging my life on assumptions rather than facts, but I don't have another choice. Uh, so what do we know about this thing? Well, it only comes into town at night. It comes into town every night, but the earliest I've heard it in town was 17 minutes after sunset. And the latest was uh, 43 minutes before sunrise. It usually comes into this part of town, uh, but sometimes I can only hear it screaming off in the distance. If it has any sort of enhanced senses, its, it's sense of smell can't be that much stronger than that of a human's. Let's just say if a dog was trying to find me, it had been able to sniff me out a long time ago. And, but I still don't think that I have any chance of surviving a physical altercation with this thing. So if I hope to get out of this place in one piece, literally, um, I think my only option is to try and avoid it. Which brings us to the second obstacle, um, getting back to the freeway. As I've mentioned before, the town is surrounded on three sides by these hilly forests, with its remaining side being bordered by a giant lake. I've thought about trying to find a boat and crossing the lake. But the problem I have with that is the town map that I have barely stretches beyond the edge of the lake. And that makes everything outside of it an unknown quantity, which seems more dangerous to me. It's kind of a, you know, choose the devil that you know sort of situation. Um, and as you well know, the only road that leads out of town um, is not a viable option either. This really leaves my only avenue of escape as going through the woods on the path that I came in on. I remember that the first time I saw it was during the day in those very woods. So the best plan that I've come up with thus far is on whatever day that I'm ready to leave. On daybreak, I'll make my way to a building at the edge of the uh, near the edge of the town, and um, I'll wait in it until nightfall. Then, once I've heard the thing from the woods enter into the town, I'll make my way up the path. And assuming that I can get through the woods in one piece, I'll then begin the long trek back to the freeway. This plan comes with its own laundry list of issues, first of which is I don't um, know what building I'm going to hide out in. 
the key is it's got to be the right distance away. Um, I want to be as close to the edge of the woods as I can be to minimize as much night travel as possible. But I also have to be far enough away where the thing from the woods isn't going to see me go inside of it during the day. If it knows where I'm hiding out, I feel that I'm most likely in for a very short night. Um, but first I'm going to need to find a bicycle. The distance from the edge of the path to the freeway is too far to travel on foot in one night. And I'm not going to want to stop until I make it back to the freeway. As soon as I got off the freeway is when things started going bad. And I don't think I'm going to be free from this place until I get back to it. And I think that I need to do it in a single night. Once those things fall into place, then I'm going to make my exit. Before I go on, there's something I want to state here, though. Uh, I'm not crazy. Um, I know if anyone ever listened to these tapes, I'm sure that's what they'd think. Uh, hell, when I listen back to these tapes, I think I sound crazy. But uh, I'm not. I'm not crazy. Um, the third obstacle for me escaping is presumably the town itself. The town or, or, or some malicious entity in it is is trying to keep me here. Um, it actively works against me every time I try and leave. It's something that exists beyond the, the standard accepted belief uh, of what 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 is real uh, of what can be and I'm not gonna speculate uh, on what it is um, I'm not gonna sit here and try and tell you that you know the town is haunted by ghosts or, or, or demons or some sort of ancient magic or, or, or aliens or a government conspiracy or, or, or anything because I don't know and, uh, and I can't know. And if I sat here and I, and I tried to, to piece it all together and, and, and have it make sense, I think that that could drive me insane. That could be a breaker question. So I'm just taking a little bit of solace in the fact that, that I know that I can't know what it is, but I know that I do know that it is. And that whatever it is, it, it is trying to make me stay. Um, I have countless bits of, of anecdotal evidence that I could give you to, to, to try and prove my point, but um, for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to keep it to telling you about it, what happens every time I try and leave this place. Anytime I, I, I try and leave here, there's this palpable tension in the air. It's like uh, if, if you've ever entered a room where two people were arguing in it right before, and, and, and you can feel it in the air, you know, and it's not some mystic thing. You can, you can read it in their body language and their tones and their and their kind of gen, general disregard for social norms. But um, but that same feeling it happens every every time I, I try and leave. And it's not just a nerves thing, you know. Um, it never happens any time I try and do something. The few times I've left the bowling alley for something that would that would help me stay in town, it's been a completely different experience. There was no tension. There was no obstacles in my way. When I, when I ran out of food in the vending machine, and I had to go look for some in the town, and I stepped out the door, and, and within minutes, I found the school. 
and the school was unlocked, and I walked right in and, and made my way towards the cafeteria, and inside the cafeteria there was a ton of food. Um, there was freezers that were somehow still cold, even though there was no no power in, in this building. Um, I still have half a case of pizza sitting in the freezer here that I brought there. Um, but whenever I try and leave the town, it's a completely different experience. The first day that I was ready to leave, my plan at that point was just to make my way down the road that leads out of town. Obviously, this was before I knew. So daybreak came, and as soon as I stepped out the door, I felt a raindrop hit my head. The further away I got from the bowling alley, the harder the rain came down. Towards the edge of the town, it was coming down so hard that I decided to go inside one of the buildings and try and wait it out. So I, I go up to a door, and of course it's locked, but I bust open a window with my elbow, and I managed to cut my arm, but I wasn't going to let that stop me, so I could get inside, and I go through my pack to pull out the first aid kit, and surprise, surprise, the first aid kit isn't there. Now I know that I packed it. I double-checked everything twice before I left, but all the same, it wasn't in here. Again, I wasn't going to let this stop me, so I tear off part of my shirt and use that to bandage up my arm, and I wait around for the rain. I sat in that building for hours, but the rain never stopped. Eventually, it was late enough where I didn't think that I was going to be able to make it past the woods by night, and at that point, that was the only requirement that I had for this trip. So I left and started to head back towards the bowling alley. I figured I would just try again tomorrow. Wouldn't you know it, as soon as I start walking back towards the bowling alley, the rain starts to let up. And when I got back to the doors of it, the rain had practically stopped. That night, the thing from the woods was outside the bowling alley the entire night. I could hear it sniffing around and grunting. I could hear the click of its limbs. And of course, its occasional scream. And I thought that was it. I thought that I thought I was done for. I thought that it, it could smell the blood from my cut and that it was gonna that it was gonna come inside and then that was gonna be it. But it never came inside the bowling alley. It it as far as I'm aware, it's never tried to to enter the bowling alley. It's only ever been around outside of it. Finally the morning came and the thing left. But needless to say, I didn't get a lot of sleep that night. But when dawn broke I decided that even if it was going to rain again, this next day I wasn't going to let that stop me. I decided that if, if the rain came, then I would let it. I would rather have it sweep me away into oblivion than than to stay stuck in this town. So I step out the door again, uh, and it wasn't raining, but it must have been a byproduct of all the rain. Um, the fog in the town was so thick that I couldn't see more than two feet in front of me. And I got maybe about midway into the town when I heard something in the fog. Something And I didn't know... I don't know why I hadn't thought about it before, but hearing that noise gave me the sudden realization that if the thing was awake in the woods during the day, then, then maybe this fog would serve as adequate cover for it as well. And I, I got absolutely terrified I, I i could i could feel the thing nearby and i just i started scanning around wildly hoping you know just trying to get a glimpse of it i just didn't want it to sneak up on me but it was pointless you know like i said i i couldn't see more than two feet in front of me and i really debated on heading back to the bowling alley and i sat there for a while 
before I decided that I was going to keep continuing on anyways. So I slowly continued down the route. And eventually I got to the last turn that I had to take before I got to the road. And when I turned it, instead of seeing the road that leads out of town, I saw the front of the bowling alley. Now I know that I was going the right way. Sure, I, I stopped for a moment in the middle and I and and maybe I looked around and, and you know, you probably think that I just got turned around while I was sitting there, but but I know I was heading the right direction. But it didn't matter where I was going. The town took me right back to the bowling alley anyways. Again, it was late enough where I didn't think I could make it past the woods by dark, so I go back inside. That night, the, the thing from the woods was back right outside the door again. Only this time, it was screaming all night long. All fucking night, the thing just sat out there screaming its awful scream. I, I, I started to go mad in there. I was convinced that this is just what life was now, this just constant state of, of torture. And uh, I swear, if I, if I had a gun... I would have ended it all right there. Finally, the morning came and the thing left again. And and after two nights of no sleep, I, I was beyond exhausted. But to be honest, it, it wouldn't have mattered if I had all the energy in the world. There was no way that I was going to try and leave again that day. I couldn't possibly bear another night like that again. So after the thing left, I just fell asleep, and I slept the whole day away, and I eventually woke up well into the night, and the thing from the woods was nowhere to be found. I would hear it scream once hours later, somewhere way off in town. It took a long time before I built up enough courage to try and leave again, but eventually I did, and... And I had decided that if it rained like it did the first time, I was going to let it wash me away. And if it was foggy like it was the second time, I was going to have my map out and I was going to make marks on my map as well as corresponding marks on the road itself. So that way there was no chance I could get turned around. But when I tried to leave the third time, I didn't face either of those obstacles. I just made my discovery about the road. Which is why I've developed this new plan. Now the point to me telling this story is not to talk about how hopeless it all is or, or, or complain about the horrors that I'm facing. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. I get some hope from these stories. Because maybe this entity that's keeping me here is, is maybe it can do whatever it wants and, and, and it'll always find some way of, of making me stay. But I refuse to accept that. I refuse to believe that. Because if that's true, then what's the point? I'm not going to let this town just steal my life away. Yeah, what I get from these stories isn't how pointless it all is. It, it's 
how this town has tried to stop me, and I have overcome its obstacles. You know, who, who knows? It'll probably find some way of, of stopping my, my escape through the woods, but then I'll figure out a way of getting around that obstacle. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going. Welcome back, listeners. And I would just like to say, real quick, Jack, every time we listen to one of these tapes, I wish I could just give you a hug. Wait until we get to tape C. That's the one that sent me to therapy. What was it like at home when you received this tape? Look, I would just like to keep the focus on the tapes rather than delving into my home life after every one. I understand that. And that's totally fair. But I also think that your personal story could be a key component to unlocking this story. It's like you said, you didn't find these tapes randomly. They were sent to you. That means, in some way or another, you're connected to the trapped man. You know, I think this was a bad idea. Look, I know this must be extremely difficult and you can always refuse to answer a question or quit this podcast at any time. But if there's any chance that we can find some real answers for you, we may have to wade into some uncomfortable waters. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be difficult. It's just this tape is the worst one for me. Why is that? Because this tape made it all real. Sure, plenty of the other tapes had more disturbing content, but this one proved that it wasn't a fluke that was just going to go away. In the time between this tape and the first one, my whole family convinced ourselves that this was some one-time thing. Then this tape arrived and blew that theory straight to hell. Suddenly all this old anxiety that we had overcome came rushing back, only this time it was so much worse. Did, uh, did you find this tape again, or did someone in the family find it first? I did, but this time I brought it straight to my parents before I listened to it. And, and what did your parents do? They listened to it on their own. Then my dad came out and told me it was just a blank tape. He lied to you? Yeah. Did you believe him? I chose to. What does that mean? In the way a kid will sometimes hold on to Santa Claus, even after the seed of doubt has been placed. Deep down, I knew he was lying, but at that time, my fear outweighed my need to know, so I chose to believe him. How did you eventually listen to it, then? My mom woke me up one night and told me the truth. She then asked me if I wanted to listen to it. Why did she do that? If you mean, why did she do it in the middle of the night? I don't know, maybe it was just weighing on her, or maybe she thought that was the only time she could do it when my dad wouldn't notice, 
if you mean why did she do it at all. She told me she always wanted to be honest with me, and that she suspected that I knew the truth anyways, and that she was doing more harm than the tape could by forcing me to live a lie. Wow. That's such a difficult decision to make. It sure is. But I think she made the right one by doing it. I'm guessing your dad didn't think so. He did not. When he found out the next day, it led to them having the biggest fight of their lives. Did these tapes cause a lot of issues within your family over the years? None bigger than that. But from here on out, they both agreed that I was going to be able to make the decision about if I was going to listen to any future tapes. Okay, well, there are a few things I would still like to clear up about the first tape before we move on to this tape and the audience commentary section. Okay. So, you said that you were on a road trip with your parents and your brother, but then you later said that your sister played the tape for her friends. Was your sister on the road trip with you too? No, she's... 10 years older than I, so she was spared the chore of the family vacations. Okay. Um, Before this podcast, how many people did you play these tapes for? I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but a handful, a few doctors, a couple of ex-boyfriends, and the odd friend here or there. I tend to avoid playing them because Jack be crazy and all that. Excuse me? Sorry. My middle initial starts with a B. So anytime I acted any kind of way, my family always referred to me as Jack B. whatever I was acting like. Oh, that's, uh, that's cute. Moving on to tape B, I would first like to say this tape was also really hard for me to listen to. The trapped man sounded so drained in this one. It made me feel so bad for him. Yeah. The ones where you can really tell the toll this is all taking on him are the hardest to listen to. Most people tend to use hyperbole when they speak, but he seems very measured in his choice of words. Would you agree? Yeah. That's why I tend to believe him. That brings me to my final question. In this tape, he flat out says there is something supernatural to his situation. So what do you think? Is there a supernatural element to all this? I don't know how to answer that question. Oh, come on, Jack. I believe that he believes it. And whatever the truth is behind these tapes, I don't think he is just some crazy person making this all up. So let's assume he is real, and this town is real, and he is, or was, really stuck there. Then yes, I believe there is a supernatural element to this. However, that is a lot of quantifiers. Quantifiers that we can't prove yet. So as it stands, no, I don't believe it but I am open to it. That's a fair response. Well, 
We have gotten a couple of compliments on the podcast so far, but there was really only one interaction that we've had, and that was from a fan named Jim Wallace on Facebook. He said, I would like to thank Jack for coming forward to share this. I, for one, find it to be very brave. I don't think I could have handled getting those tapes all these years. I'm looking forward to episode two. Thank you so much. So, Jack, do you have anything that you want to say about that? Thanks. (laughs) Well, that does it for episode two of Tapes from Beyond. As always, I would like to thank our listeners and remind everyone to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and the iTunes Store. We also have an official Facebook and Twitter account at Tapes From Beyond. Please let us know if you have any questions or comments that you would like us to address in a future episode. Until next time, good night and stay safe.